program. Our good friend, Stephen Simcox. Stephen, good afternoon. How are you, buddy? Tom, Ward, how are you doing? Man, we are good. We appreciate you being here. Stephen, first of all, let's start with the John Morris uh, the Lunch with the Legend. Uh, that, that was kind of cool, wasn't it? It was cool. It was, you know, it was good to see J-Mo get honored in that way. Enjoyed hearing some, you know, stories about how he got to start in the business. Um, I mean, obviously, like, getting to work with him was, was a lot of fun producing his show. The years I got to do that, it was sort of a surreal thing. I grew up listening to him by so many people around this area uh, did as well. So um, I know it's not his favorite thing to be the center of attention like that, but it was a good time. I mean, now I'm just wondering when we're going to get the, the Ward White lunch with a legend. <laughs> that would be in high demand as well. <laughs> what is wrong with you? <laughs> Oh, Stephen Simcox with us here on ESPN Central Texas. And, Stephen, you know, the realignment keeps popping up and coming up. And Gary Patterson when asked, was asked about it. He kind of deflected it off. But he also said that he felt like TCU is very marketable going if there isn't a realignment if they have to go somewhere. Is that how you think that, that this team is, is looking at this or they're not really worried about it at all? I do think they're marketable. I mean, I don't feel like this is the same situation they were in 20-some-odd years ago where the program was really struggling and they were sort of on the outside looking in when the Southwest Conference disbanded. Uh, and, I mean, the football program's good. The baseball team has been very good. Basketball needs to get better. But they've, they've improved their facilities a lot since moving to uh, the Big 12. It's a big TV market, if that's still something that really matters to these TV networks, obviously, with them being in the head, Dallas, Fort Worth. The unfortunate thing is for, you know, TCU, Baylor, Texas Tech, whoever it is that you want to discuss that's sort of left over, I mean, they have good programs. I think they're, they're marketable programs. I'm just not sure what exactly drives the, uh, the interest here other than the brand names. And it's sort of like either you're a, a brand name school like Texas or Oklahoma or you're just already in the cool kids club. I mean, there's some schools in the SEC, like the SEC is an amazing conference, but you also have um, Vandy, which besides baseball doesn't really do a whole lot. South Carolina is sort of mediocre middle of the pack. Kentucky basketball is obviously a huge national thing, but the football team has struggled even though they've gotten better over the last few years. So if you're not kind of in that group, then you have to have a big reason to get included uh, in this new sort of super league, if you want to call it that. And I just don't know if some of these smaller schools have the power to do that. But um, I think TC is in a much better situation than they were when the Southwest Conference blew up. And we'll see, you know, if that ends up landing them somewhere as far as being in a big-time conference. But I think either way, I mean, even if you're sort of on the outside looking in, they've played that game before, and I don't, I don't feel like the commitment to athletics is going to wane at all, no matter where they uh, end up when it's all the dust kind of settles and things shake out. And I was uh, after their scrimmage the other day. That was one of the things that Gary Patterson talked about. He said, "Hey, we've been here." done that and got a t-shirt i mean they, they know exactly what they're doing when it comes to stuff like that and this is just a simple opinion from, from you but in your opinion are are is it in tcu baylor tech oklahoma so on so is it in their best interest to rally and stay together uh or is it uh, better for everybody to 
to kind of just start looking around and seeing, uh, you know, what, what can I get from me? I guess it just depends on what you mean by staying together. I think the Texas schools, if they want to sort of negotiate as a package deal, I don't think that's a bad idea because you could certainly try to sell yourself as, hey, all three of us bringing in some Texas market revenue, allowing, if it's the Pac-12, allowing some West Coast schools to form more of a recruiting base in the state. Those would all be attractive things. But if, if we're discussing – the eight leftover Big 12 teams staying together, I just don't really see that being possible. I know there's already some rumors that they're trying to move on to the Big 10. At the end of the day, Tom, I just I believe everybody's going to do what's best for themselves. And there's some benefit to trying to um, kind of buddy up and communicate and be transparent and forthright with each other. But when it comes down to it, if, somebody, if, if Baylor gets a deal – sort of individually on their own, they're going to take it, right? Like, that's just sort of how you have to approach this. So, I, I believe the uh, the approach that schools are going to take is, yeah, let's stay together, let's kind of rally, unless something comes up, and then we'll probably fail. And, I mean, that's, that's obviously what OU and Texas have done. That's what maybe Kansas is trying to do. And I, I think when the dust settles here, we're going to see a lot of these teams that are left over just kind of get picked off by different conferences, and I, I don't really see a situation where they all end up staying together, which is unfortunate, but it's it's sort of the reality we're in now. Stephen, for the Horn Frogs on the field, how is the offense coming together? Is, is this offense starting to gel a little bit with new coordinators and and having different kind of wrinkles in this offense? Do you, do you see it kind of going in the direction it needs to be going right now? So there's a couple things with the offense that I just I, we're not going to know until games start. I mean, they were saying that in practice things are gelling really well. Max Duggan, the quarterback, is taking a big leap, and that they're actually uh, challenging that defense a lot. But when the games start, one is this offensive line better because last year they just couldn't protect the quarterback, and that was a big reason why they didn't throw the ball a lot, and they went to more of a downhill running game. Um, they added. Obama Ezzi, who was a transfer from Memphis, and he's a big dude. He's a tackle. He's 6'7", 325 pounds. So that size jumps off the page. Is he going to be able to, you know, move his feet well, get in front of edge rushers? That'll be something that has to be answered. And can they stay healthy across that offensive line? Because they had a couple guys, uh, Steve Avila and Wes Harris, that went down with injuries. The other um, interesting thing about the offense to me is Doug Meacham, his title is offensive coordinator. And Doug was at TCU back in uh, 2014 through 2017. And while he was there, I mean, he's a he's an old-school air raid guy from that Mike Leach tree. So they were throwing the ball all over the field. And then when he left, Gary Patterson got back to what he's done for a long time, which is more ball control, running the football, trying to protect his defense. Well, then Sonny Cumbie left this offseason, and now Meacham's back. And there's also Jerry Kill, who is an analyst, but when Gary's been asked in the past what his title is, he refers to him as the head coach of the offense. And Jerry Kill has been all around, but, I mean, most notably he was the head coach in Minnesota for a few years, and he's a Big Ten guy, more of a old-school, downhill-type style offensive coordinator, offensive line. So I just want to know what the identity of this team is. Are, are they going to go back to 
some of those air raid concepts they use under Beecham in the past, how much influence is Kill going to have. I don't really know how you merge those two things. I think you can certainly have a balanced offense, and maybe that's where they're going to land. But those are such different um, formations, concepts that those guys have done in the past. I, I just don't know how that comes together when they actually start uh, doing play calling. And Ward, as you've laid out in the past, like play calling is not only the plays you call, but the rhythm, how you're setting up things, what looks you're giving teams. So I just want to know who who's in control of that. Is it um, Jerry Kill? Is it Doug Meacham? Is it Doug Meacham with the heavy influence from Jerry Kill? And we, we won't really get a, a picture of that probably until they play, you know, Cal and SMU. Because that first game against Duquesne, I, I think if something goes wrong there, then we're in for a very long season. <laughs> Steven, I was just looking. Uh, it, it, you, you you mentioned Duggan, but hey, he and, and Evans and, and Quentin Johnson, uh, these are guys that are, that are quality offensive weapons. So, as you said, how do you blend these guys? You do have a lot of weapons. I mean, I, I think Zach Evans, he really emerged at the end of last year as just a, a stud, and he's going to be their main running back. And the talent was obviously there at North Shore. There were just some questions about um, off-the-field distractions, some things that had gone down in high school. But for, for all intents and purposes, it seemed like he had his head on straight and he was doing a nice job there as a freshman. And I, I think the, the big um, sort of – integral part of this is going to be what is that is the receiving group you know you mentioned Quentin Johnson and I love Quentin obviously we got to cover him at Temple um he put up good numbers for a freshman what does that look like as a sophomore who has more experience and they're actually really deep at, at wide receiver Tay Barber's a player in the slot that's done some nice things from them uh J.D. Spielman is a transfer from Nebraska who had a really good career for the Cornhuskers and then got hurt last season didn't end up playing much, but has that extra year of eligibility. Uh, Savion Williams is another big target on, the, target on the outside. They have a, a guy named Quincy Brown, who originally was supposed to go to Mississippi State, but had some eligibility issues, didn't play last year. He's apparently been impressing a lot in fall camp. Darius Davis is a, a speedster who does some things for them on punt returns. I think they're going to try to get him more involved. So can you consistently get those guys the ball? And a lot of that will come back to the offensive line. Are you able to protect? Are you able to establish a running game? But the talent's there. I mean, I, I think in past years, you've had young quarterbacks. The past few years where the offense hasn't been very consistent, you've had young quarterbacks and, frankly, just skilled players who couldn't take the top off a of defense. They have an experienced quarterback in Duggan. You have guys on the outside who you think can play. So it, it, it's time to make that happen. and um, They're going to have to execute those things if they want to have some, some explosiveness there. But uh, on paper, they look great. Steven, you normally don't worry about a Gary Patterson defense, and coming into this season, I think you probably feel pretty good about it. The problem has always or been in the past couple of years is they don't get any help from that offense, and so the depth starts showing its ugly head on that defense. Have they rectified that? Do they have the depth that can help that offense kind of get on its feet and, and before they can you know, get into a situation where they're sitting there and they look up and they, they just – their tongues dragging the ground. I think they'll do it certain spots. Uh, you know, at corner, they're pretty loaded. Travis Hodges Tomlinson from Midway did a really nice job for them last year. Noah Daniels is a good player. Keen Stewart, someone who's played a lot of games over the course of his career. Uh, my, my big thing on defense is 
defensive line. They, they're actually, I mean, they're replacing a really good player in Garrett Wallow, linebacker, but I just, I don't really worry about linebackers in the Gary Patterson defense. I think they're eventually going to figure things out. But that defensive line last year, they got a lot better towards the end of the season. I will say, though, at the end of the year, they played uh, Texas Tech, Kansas, Baylor, Oklahoma State. And that's where most of their production was. And outside of that Oklahoma State game, I would say those other three teams really struggle on the offensive line. So, I mean, can you get a pass rush against a team like Oklahoma or Iowa State or Texas? And I know that's a tough thing to do, but you have to do it. Because, I mean, as you know, Ward, like Gary Patterson is going to play a lot of man coverage. He's not going to change that. And if you're playing man up on the outside um, or any coverage, really, you've got to get to the quarterback. You have to, you know, hit him rattle him, get negative plays, or you're probably going to get beat eventually. So if that group can be more consistent, then I think the defense will be fine. But it's, it's, it's a huge question because, yeah, they, they've tried to play time to possession the last few seasons, but when you're going three and out, you're not keeping the ball for very long. And you're right. In the fourth quarter, that defense would eventually just sort of bend and break because they've been out on the field for so long. So – if you you either have to control the clock or score, you know, and, and actually get points out of those drives, or that defense is eventually going to wear down. Stephen, uh, what are you working on for uh, Locked On Horn Frogs? We're uh, obviously, you know, talking a lot about fall camp um, episode today that dropped. I, I discussed that defensive line more, and um, we we also talked about Big Twelve COVID policy this year that if a team can't play, they're going to have to forfeit which is sort of a new wrinkle to, to this season. And then uh, earlier this week, I had Josh Neighbors on the show from Lockdown Big 12. And we talked to the AP Top 25 poll and uh, some Big 12 quarterback rankings. So that's all available right now on Lockdown Horn Frogs, which is uh, anywhere you get podcasts, but Apple Podcasts is what most people use. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's Lockdown Horn Frogs is where you can find me. Steven, as always, we appreciate you, buddy. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon.